me psychoanalyze you. You're stupid. If you used a rifle to shoot a pigeon, it'd probably explode. I need to have negative thoughts to keep me safe from the saber-toothed tiger that's gonna pop out and eat me as soon as I step out of my cave. Humans were pretty fucked up, but there's beauty in that imperfection. Hello, hello, what is up, Floodsters? Welcome back, it's another day. It's another freaking beautiful day in Barcelona. I just spent a solid 20 minutes trying to figure out why my microphone wasn't working. And then Alex walked in and fixed it in about 10 seconds. I am generally pretty computer savvy, but I don't know. This one I couldn't freaking figure out. Whatever. I'm just happy that I'm here and that you can finally hear my beautiful voice. So let's see, what did I do today? I spent a little time alone, which has been nice because I'm a little hormonal and thus maybe a little irritable. And it's just been good to have a little me time. But you know what I was realizing was that this is like the first time in like a year that I am actually enjoying my own company and not just missing my mom. I think it's taken like this whole year to really just be used to being alone. It was like every time I was alone before, I would just feel like an empty abyss in my soul that my mom used to occupy. And now I went out, I had my eyebrows threaded which is like, you know, waxing, but so much better. And uh, I just strolled around the town, peeked in some little boutiques and all that kind of stuff. And it was nice. It was nice. And I enjoyed my own company. Of course, you know, I always have a podcast on when I'm out by myself. And uh, it's a little bit like having company. I'm happy to say that I did not feel lonely. Yeah, so that has been nice. Now, the next thing I'm gonna say is probably gonna cause you to fall over dead from shock. I mean, that is if you know me. If you don't know me, this probably isn't gonna mean shit. But I have been having this unusual, strange desire to possibly get a D. Oh, G of my own. Yeah, so the reason why this is so shocking is because I am widely known in the world as an obsessive cat person. And in fact, I don't even like dogs that much. Like other people's dogs are fine, but generally I've never had the urge for my own personal private use dog. I think that the reason I'm feeling this, it's either some like misplaced maternal instinct or it's possibly because what a better way to replace a crazy dog person that was my mom than with a dog, you know? She'd probably really appreciate that, in fact. If I was going to replace her with anybody, a dog would probably be her number one choice. Because she was obsessed with dogs. We had dogs all the time when I was growing up. In fact, there has only been very short periods of my life where I have not occupied the same home as a dog. 
I have this theory, this theory that the reason I don't really like dogs that much is actually related to some childhood trauma. So I went through this period when I was about 12 where I felt jealous of my mom's relationships with her dogs. I felt like she loved them more than me. And that's not because she ignored me or did or really said anything to make me feel that. I just observed how much she loved those dogs, how much attention she gave them. And I felt jealous, kind of like when you have a sibling and you have sibling rivalry. That was my experience with dogs. And now I think that that has led me to maybe not have a very soft spot in my soul for them. But you know what? If I could get a dog, I'd probably get a little dog, like a chihuahua type size. I mean, ideally, I'd have like a miniature Shiba Inu, but I don't think that's a thing because I just want a dog I could carry around easily, could take out with me here and there. I could like just put it in a little backpack and carry it around the store and nobody would care. That's that's what I'm fantasizing about. It's relatively unlikely to happen anytime soon because uh, Alex and I have other priorities. So anyway, that's what I've been thinking. And I don't know how I'm going to soak away into the subject for today's episode. I was trying to figure it out, but um, I don't know. It's just not going to be very smooth. The thing that I am thinking about for the subject of today's episode is a little something called codependency. Now, if you don't know what that is, let me enlighten you. A codependent relationship is basically an unhealthy and dysfunctional pattern of interaction between two people. That could be maybe more than two people could be codependent too, but it often leads to emotional, psychological, and sometimes physical harm to both parties. I think when we think about codependency, we think about addiction. We think that codependency is only the dynamic that exists in relationships with an addict. But this is not true. There is, in fact, a pretty wide spectrum of levels of codependency. And this can be in any kind of relationship, romantic, friendship, familial, and it can range from being mild emotional codependency, or it can range to being a really intense situation with somebody who struggles with substance abuse. But to better understand whether or not you are living in a codependent relationship, I'm going to explain the roles that make up a codependent relationship. So generally speaking, there are two roles. There is the person who's called the enabler, and there is a person called the codependent. Now, the characteristics that make up an enabler primarily is this idea of overly sacrificing for somebody else, for the codependent. So if you are an enabler, you are putting your own well-being, desires, and happiness to try to meet the needs, take care of the other person, the codependent. And where it gets this term 
enabling is because a lot of times the behavior that the enabler is dealing with is somebody who has an addiction problem. And by supporting them, covering up for them, making excuses for them, and not holding them accountable, you are enabling their behavior to continue. That is where the term enabler comes from. And the codependent is a person who is overly dependent on the enabler, relying on them to maintain whatever kind of negative behavior is going on for them. And a lot of times, people who are codependents have kind of low self-worth or maybe a history of trauma. And that's how they get into a situation where they're either addicted to a substance or over-relying on somebody else to help them cope with their emotions. And I have found myself in both the enabler position and the codependent situation. For me, it's not about addiction. It's about emotional codependency, which is more like I can be either so reliant on other people to make me feel good because I can't cope with my own emotions to the point that they are sacrificing their own needs to take care of me. And that was kind of the dynamic I found myself in a lot with my mom. And also with my relationship with her, I could find myself in the other situation where I was over-sacrificing for her emotional needs or sometimes physical needs because she was sick with cancer and I was taking care of her. And that dynamic is really the part that makes up a codependent relationship. Just that one person is over-sacrificing and one person is dependent. But where it crosses the line into codependency is really when it becomes unhealthy. Like the enabler is sacrificing too much. And sometimes we can find ourselves in codependent relationships with people who are maybe really jealous. Now, I believe this was the situation in my two first relationships. I've mentioned on here before that I was in two kind of toxic relationships when I was in my teens and 20s. And I, in those relationships, found myself over-compromising, over-sacrificing, and giving up myself and who I really was for these people. That was because I was trying to meet their needs. They were both jealous, both needing me to behave in a certain way that they thought would make them feel better and less jealous. And I was submitting to that. And that's where the unhealthy codependency in my relationships lay. I think this is just a really important dynamic to understand. I think it can really affect us all. And I find that in my current relationship, while it's not a super unhealthy codependent relationship, I can certainly find myself at times over-relying on Alex to help me cope with my own negative emotions. And he is usually pretty good at setting boundaries and saying, like, this is too much, I'm over-sacrificing. But the thing is, when he does that, sometimes it makes me mad. 
because I expect him to over-sacrifice because that's what I have gotten from my relationship with my mom. My mom would listen to me on end without putting up any boundaries and saying, hey, this is not healthy for me. This is affecting me mentally to listen to you talk about how depressed you are all the time. And I think because I didn't have that boundary with my mom very much, I can find myself trying to push the boundaries in my current relationship with how much emotional support I get. But that is a key thing about being an enabler. If you are an enabler, chances are you're not setting the boundaries you need to set. And that's going to help you break the cycle of codependency. You need to set boundaries. You need to figure out what you need to do to take care of yourself. And you need to set boundaries with somebody. Because ultimately, if you don't do that, it's unhealthy for the other person. Either you're supporting their inability to be able to process things and be emotionally independent, or you're possibly supporting a really bad substance abuse problem because you're afraid that maybe something's going to happen to them or because you love them and you think you're doing the right thing, but really you're not. You're just supporting their addiction. Deeply codependent relationships can be pretty detrimental to both parties. And it's honestly kind of a sad situation when it becomes really intense and when there's addiction involved. But I think for hopefully the majority of us, we're just dealing with it on a milder sense. And it can be easier to change the dynamic by simply setting boundaries and by simply not crossing boundaries and learning to become more self-reliant. That is really the thing that is lacking in somebody who is a codependent, is they're just not self-reliant, either emotionally, physically, mentally, whatever it be. And I think that this is something that has really changed in the last year for me. I have been learning how to become more self-reliant, how to take care of my own emotions rather than relying on other people to fix me when I don't feel good. And I have to say, this last time I was in Boulder, I was struggling a lot emotionally. And I was asking Alex a lot to listen to me, to be there for me, even beyond the point that he said was appropriate, meaning that he would set up a boundary with me and I would sometimes cross it or get angry when he would set a boundary up for me. And that's how I really start to realize that I was being codependent. I needed to gain some self-reliance. And that's why ultimately I chose to go back into therapy. And that is the first thing I said to my therapist. The main reason why I am here is to gain emotional independence because I want to be able to take care of myself. I don't want to feel like I have to rely on other people to fix me when I don't feel good. But really, I have that dynamic because that's the relationship I had with my mom. And I think it's 
probably pretty common for there to be some level of codependency in a child-parent relationship. Because usually as a child, we are reliant on our parents to help us with our emotions. But then when we get into adulthood, and we should be capable of dealing with our own emotions, sometimes we still rely on our parents to help us emotionally. But the thing is, once you have adult problems, it can be difficult for your parents to really be totally capable of helping you. And they can still feel like they want to protect you and they want to over-sacrifice to the detriment of themselves. I think that's a lot of times what happens is your kids grow up and their problems become more serious, more intense. And you never had boundaries with them as a child because you were their parent and you were there for them and you feel guilty if you put up boundaries. But really, it's it's not healthy to over-sacrifice for anybody. And to be honest, I have been an enabler in my life as well. I think with my mom, we would rotate between being codependent and enablers. Like sometimes I would listen to her talk about things, about these things in a very intense way to the point that it harmed me, that it harmed my relationships with my dad and my brother, and that it was just psychologically challenging to cope with. But I would over-sacrifice. And that is not healthy. My main advice for how to get out of a codependent relationship really depends on what level of codependency we're talking about. If we're talking about the mild form, as I've mentioned, the first step would be to put up boundaries if you're an enabler. And if you're a dependent, a codependent, then you need to learn to become more self-reliant. And in both cases, whether you're an enabler or codependent, therapy and professional help is probably most definitely the way to go. That is really going to help you. As far as actually techniques for becoming emotionally reliant, I think journaling or speaking into your phone and getting down your emotions and speaking out your emotions in therapy can certainly really help, but is not the be-all and end-all. There are techniques, breathing techniques, coping with trauma techniques like EMDR that really need guidance from a professional. Now, if you are in a really intense codependent relationship with maybe an addict, there's a couple of routes you could take. I mean, I'd still really, really recommend therapy. I don't think you're going to get out of it, honestly, without therapy. But another route you could take would be Al-Anon. That is like AA for people who have addicts in their life. And I have never been to an Al-Anon meeting, although I do have an addict in my life. But I have heard that it can be very powerful and very useful tool 
for learning about codependency, for getting perspectives from other people and empathy from other people who are in codependent relationships. So I would start there and with therapy if you find yourself in the situation that is a very highly intense, dysfunctional, codependent relationship. And uh, I just want to say that if you have an addict in your life, that I am really sorry. I'm sorry for you and I'm sorry for them because that is, I really think, one of the most atrocious afflictions that can happen to anybody. I know somebody who just lost their fight with it. I have all the empathy in the world for you if you're dealing with that situation. And please, please get help. I just want to say that if you are really struggling with a mental health crisis or with substance abuse, there is a number in the U.S. which is 1-800-662-HELP. 1-800-662-435. Seven, please call that number. Or did you know that if you are struggling with extreme mental distress that you can go to the emergency room? If this is the case for you, please, please reach out to somebody or go get help at the emergency room. Do not try to do it alone. Yeah, that's all I have to say for today. As always, you can reach out to me at perfectlyflawedcast at gmail.com or hit me up on TikTok, YouTube, and Instagram at perfectlyflawedcast. Alrighty, folks. Bye.